Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast Network. Uh, great job here with George Thomas, our film critic from the Akron Beacon Journal. George, it's Thursday night. How are you doing? It's been an interesting day, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Of course, everybody, you know, George uh, not only writes film reviews, also covers uh, Cleveland Browns, Akron Zips. So very busy man here as football season has kicked off. But we always appreciate you stopping by. Normally, we're talking movies, but today we're doing a little bit different here with a review. We have uh, Peacock's newest original series, The Lost Symbol. Now, for those of you who may not know, this is uh, Dan Brown, the uh, writer of The Da Vinci Code. Um, this is sort of an adaptation of his uh, Robert Langdon character. George, what do you think? Does Peacock have something with a little bit of staying power for a change in their original programming? I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Here it is. You know what? Um, and I wrote this. I, the review, I don't know when it's running. I, I know it's posting. Um, and I, I put it this way. Amazon Prime revived Jack Ryan as a character. And I don't know if any of that series has been based on any of Tom Clancy's original books. Sure. But in doing so, they re revived the character at the behest of the man who plays Jack Ryan now, John Kaczynski. Right. Um, and each subse subsequent actor in that role, A, had a name, and B, I think they brought something to that role. Alec Baldwin, I don't know why they let him go from after the hunt for Red o hunt for Red October. You have um, Harrison Ford. I don't remember if he did it. Was it a trilogy of Jack Ryan films? I believe so. At least, yeah. I mean, they've made so many. It seems like in different characters now. So too many to remember. And then they they. Tried to take it back to the beginning with Ben Affleck, right, Ryan, which I had no problem with because I think Ben Affleck's a good actor. Yeah, yeah. I think that movie was pretty solid. The sum of yeah. all fears. For some odd reason, that didn't work well enough for Paramount Studios, and then they tried again with Chris Pine, who right. I like as an actor because, with all due respect, I love his Captain Kirk. I mean, right. right. He, he inhabits that role. I think he did well in uh, that version of Jack Ryan. I don't remember 
<laughs> shadow recruit. I don't remember much about it. Yeah. No, shadow recruit. I remember right, it, right. It, it had script problems and Kenneth Branagh's direction wasn't up to snuff. But see, all those actors bought, brought something to the party. With, with In rebooting Robert Langdon, you're trying to walk or bring an actor into freaking Tom Hanks's shoes. Right. right. Now, Ashley Zuckerman may, and I don't know if that's how you pronounce the name, his name, apologies if I butchered it. You know, he's got some credits that you'd recognize. Um, the uh, the um, Kiefer Sullivan, Secretary of Agriculture Becomes President series. But oh, yeah. It yeah. For, for half a year. And there's, there's something else on his resume that people will recognize. But for all practical purposes, you don't know this guy, really. And he's right. trying to fill shoes <clears throat> of Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. Yeah, I'm sorry. Tom Hanks. Yes. Oops. Mixed my top. <laughs> Tragedy. Uh, but he's trying to fill the shoes of Tom Hanks. Right. And I don't know any actor who hasn't built a resume of, of substance really wants to do that. Yeah. But you know what? Bravo for him trying. That being said, The Lost Symbol, I've previewed three episodes, and it's got a lot in common, and we can forget with Inferno, because I didn't enjoy that one. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot in common with The Da Vinci Code. Okay. It's got a lot in, in common with Angels and Demons. It, it's rapid fire. You need to pay attention to get all the clues, and it's it's he's he's a character for geeks in the world. He's Indiana Jones without the ability to crack a whip. That's right. what he is to me. Right. So that's all there. Now Zuckerman may grow on me. He really might. You can see the character developing. You can see him getting comfortable in the role. But the elements that, that I enjoyed in the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons are there. Okay. So overall, that's a long way of saying, yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. We got to <laughs> see where it goes. It, it's strange, you know, when you... Do you think this, this is... And nothing against Ashley Zuckerman... Um, you know, he's been in succession, some other good things. So yeah, yeah. So nothing against him, but is this sort of an indictment on Peacock not really like diving headfirst into the deep end here to try to attract subscribers by having not only just the lost symbol at Dan Brown, Robert Langdon reboot, but not having I mean the only person in this cast that I've ever seen any any, anything and remember them as Eddie Izzard. That's it. So is this kind of like a, a failed attempt for Peacock to say we want to dip our toes into streaming and into, you know, the original content, but not really diving headfirst into the deep end, like getting a, a star name brand person that can play that lead role? You know, I, in all sincerity, I just think it's their way of actually putting their stamp on the IP. For lack of a better term, okay, that, that makes sense. 
they, I, I really believe that that's what it is. Now, whether or not they're ultimately successful, and for the life of me, I couldn't find out how many episodes of this there are. <laughs> it looks like based on the IMDb, there might be seven, but I don't know. That's all that's been listed on their season page, so I am not sure your guess is as good as mine. Well, yesterday there were only four. So. Okay. okay. Does this look like it's going to be a series or maybe like a, you know, a... a Sort of a short-term kind of, you know, one-off. No, I, I, they originally entitled this Robert Langdon, so I think it was envisioned to be, for lack of a better term, a series of series. Right. I don't think, um, I don't think Dan Brown has another Robert. Wait, he does. I, I've gotten the one-third of the way to, through it. it. What is it? Origins. Um. There is another Robert Langdon book. Right. Um, I started it during the pandemic, and it was so good, and I like his books. Right. I didn't want to finish it too soon, and I neglected to go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, there, there is another book from which to work. Um, I... So, they can, they can go back to the character there. Now... Yeah. Whether they want to touch the other ones and just redo them remains to be dis- remains to be seen. The Da Vinci Code caught a lot of hell for whatever reason. It's it's because of the haircut. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> for stupid reasons. Yes, the haircut. You know, it, it, if you you go into that movie knowing what it is, it's an enjoyable piece. It was. Of I really liked the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, and and I don't know if. They consider retouching that. You know what I mean. Right. Um, so well, I don't know. I, I feel like you know this is an opportunity if they want to introduce that, or maybe they can at least you know splice in some elements. You kind of feel like this is an opportunity for for Peacock to maybe grab some additional eyeballs. So maybe it would behoove them to to maybe try to see this through, if, assuming it does well. Without the star power, though, I don't know if people are just going to like go through and go through and just not even and just kind of bypass it unless they see Dan Brown's the lost symbol on the on the you know the ticker. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe not having that star power, you can promote it as much as you want, but if someone's like, "Who's that?" You know, it might be a little bit of a tough sell. That see, that's a weird part. I'd forgotten about it. I knew I knew it was coming, but I'd forgotten right. about it, and I didn't. Remember it until hearing a a commercial on a sports radio station. Okay. So I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah. And okay. NBC was NBC Universal was nice enough to set me up with the uh, digital links yesterday. So. Okay. Well, and maybe this is one of those things where instead of touching the previous Dan Brown novels, maybe they could create some original content, you know, some original stories maybe for Robert Langdon, do you think? Well, here's a question I have for you. Dan Brown is notorious for the amount of research he does for these novels. Do you picture anyone in the television realm (laughs) being able to duplicate that? Not duplicate it, but I don't know that the goal is to duplicate it as so much as to just have a enjoyable, watchable series that maybe at least can skim the surface of some sort of a unique 
you know, you know thing that maybe Dan Brown has, and he can be a consultant on this too, where maybe he can add some some depth to those scripts to allow them to have something where they don't have to flush it out completely, where it takes two years to to do that. Maybe he can you know flush it out and and help them out with something like that and create or you know original stories. You know, and, you know, you get a year to, to do it and maybe, uh, you know, from production, you know, maybe a year, year and a half. And then you're back on your uh, seven, eight episode season for Peacock and Peacock can at least say, hey, we've got some new content, you know. There is one more book. It is called Origin. Mm. Okay. But they've got one more book at least to work with and maybe he's yeah. working on something now. And your point's well taken. It's just given that his name is quote-unquote on the marquee, I mean, right. this is Dan's, Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol. Right, yeah, so he's the star funny. of the show here, yeah. Yeah, they're, you're they're, right, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I would I would say that if that's the case, though, if they don't want to take the origin route and, and have something completely new, I would imagine if, if they get a lot of eyeballs on this series on Peacock and they feel like, cost is you know certain for them moving forward i would be very surprised if they decided not to adapt even if it is you know rehashing angels and demons or rehashing inferno or rehashing you know the da vinci code i would almost think it would benefit nbc to you know universal especially now that they have to pay uh, christopher nolan all that money to you know i i will say i kind of hope that they troll him and, and make the uh his oppenheimer uh, biopic on uh, peacock first day as a release that would be the ultimate troll job from universal yeah, studios yeah you, you think they're gonna cross him now that they have him no no no, no. they're gonna give him everything he wants you want 200 billion dollars to make a biopic okay there you go but okay overall what's your final grade here for the lost dan brown's the lost symbol you know what it's a series it, yeah. it's it's television you never know what to do because it, it, right. it can run nine years and be brilliant like Seinfeld was for 95% of the nine years and then give you a, a, a finale that's just total, huh? Like yeah. How they do that. Fair so enough. right now I'm just going to say and I, I, I'm just going to say it's holding my attention. Like I said, okay. I've got three episodes. I've got to wait three weeks for the next one. Okay. So we're worthy of your of your it's, going back and watching the rest I will, of the I will be back. Yeah, especially okay. considering you know what? I don't know if you've looked at any of um the um coming network shows yet, but there is nothing there that has struck my fancy at all. Just yeah. so yeah, you know, and maybe that's intentional on the network's part. And they want to build up their streaming services. I don't know, but here you go. Um, well, and especially at NBC, uh, you know, Universal, it, it seems like it's Law and Order SVU, it's Law and Order um, Organized Crime, it's Chicago Med, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire. Like, you know, two of their two of their nights of programming are just that basically, which is not bad. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of SVU, but. Uh, you know, originality is, is not in the cards these days for network television. No, not much much at all. The problem is it's infecting streaming, which yeah. is sort of what this series does. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, one thing that won't be impacting the streaming is Disney. Disney's commitment here for their six remaining films that are slated to release this fall and winter. George, you've got to be happy. You're a you're a, a movie theater guy. I'm pretty excited. They're they're going to just flat out release their films in theaters first. No Disney Plus premiere access. It looks like no only Disney Plus release like Soul and Luca got. Are you excited about this? Is it maybe a, a, a nice change of pace to see a commitment from a studio like this? Oh, don't let Disney fool you. <laughs> <laughs> Their change of pace is 45 days, by the way. I mean, let's face it. No, number one, this is this is all about money. Yeah. I, we, we've had the discussion before about theatrical not going away. Yeah, they cut the theatrical window, but just for giggles, I, I threw uh, Black Widow into um, Google, and it's still showing on area screens. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's been out since July. I picked up the, right. the 4K Blu-ray today. But okay. th this is all about money, and it's, it's, it's very simple. Um, little data here. Um in 2019, the global box office, and let's not let's not disabuse ourselves that it's still really the top. What is it for now? That 20th Century Fox is gone. Yeah. Um, the global box office was worth 42.5 billion dollars. Same year, the American box office was worth 11.4 billion dollars a year. You can't make up that revenue in streaming, right? right? Selling and selling subscriptions to to services to make it worth your while. You just can't, and not do the movies that people are used to seeing. You, you can't do it. The economics don't work. This is right. this is Disney giving in to reality. Their bottom line, and yeah, I applaud them for it. I really do. But I'm also cynical enough and realistic enough to understand that, yeah, they want their money. They yeah. want their third leg back. So that's what it's about to me. You know, I wonder if, if Disney would would go this route. You know, I know we've talked a lot about this with, with HBO Max. You know, I'm a huge supporter of HBO Max, but I understand the difficulties of, you know, they lost Christopher Nolan. You know, you know, Villeneuve seems to be upset with Dune, you know, still getting a same-day release. I'm sure people with the Matrix, you know, Resurrection are, are mad that they're probably going to get a same-day release as well. Do you think if Disney was in the same boat as HBO Max, where they were maybe not quite doing as well with the number of subscribers and also being more, you know, relatively newer, do you think Disney Plus would be doing the same thing as, as Warner and AT&T are doing here with HBO Max same-day release? Hmm, that's an interesting question. You know, it, it, with, with all due respect, I don't know, number one. Number two, maybe not really, because I don't think these these films really drive subscri subscribers. Right. Just don't. Um, maybe they've given up on the Disney Plus premiere thing. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, like 30 bucks a film. It's, it's like, a sham. 
it's like really i get it it makes sense if you have a family i mean you have a family of four you can go to walmart get some dollar boxes of movie candy right Right. i've done this before get dollar dollar boxes of candy some microwave popcorn which generally sucks but you know um and you can for a family it makes sense Yes, but you 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 lose that theatrical experience. I, you know, and the the mouse house it boils down to money, and I yeah. think that I think there's some confidence that they're eventually going to be the number one streaming service on the planet. They're I really trending very think well. That. Huh? Yeah. They're trending very well. Yeah, I I I I, I think eventually Netflix is going to trend downward. And Disney will remain trending upward, and boom, when worlds collide. Yeah. Well, I will say, and I know, I know there was probably a reason for it, but you know, the yeah. more and the more and more I think about this with Disney's commitment, they released one of their best recent movies out there with Soul on Disney Plus only, and I could only imagine how great that would have looked on the big screen in a theater it is gorgeous at home video my wife and i just watched the 4k the other day beautiful to look at as always great story i can only imagine what it would have looked like on a giant screen in the theater and they they gave it to you for free so in my opinion it's like and i understand it was in december and there was a lot of uncertainty with covid i think they wanted to you know at the very least get it out there before the oscar season but They've done that. You know, they had Cruella come out. They've had Luca for free. Cruella was on Premier Access, Black Widow on Premier Access. It looks like they're, they dipped their toes in, but then they have Encanto, which is coming out November 24th, is going to have a 30 day window before it goes on to Disney Plus because they want it to come out on Christmas Eve. But then what else are they going to put? I mean, I don't think they put The Kingsman on Premier Access. So really, I think this is a nice gesture by Disney, but I don't think any of these movies, including The Last Duel, which I was not even, I couldn't even believe Ridley Scott was getting into uh, Mickey Mouse territory here. Would, would any of these movies really seemingly be Disney Plus releases instead of just being theatrical releases? I mean, they don't really seem like they fit that bill of being a Disney Plus release. So is this just like a, we're going to make it look good because we're going to say, all of these movies are going to go straight to theaters first. Now, what are you going to put the Kingsman on Disney and not try to recoup a box office for an action movie? Well, the Kingsman may be a case of label. I'm pretty sure that's a Fox. It's a Fox property, yeah. So, and I'm sure so is. Um, I would imagine the Last Duel probably is as well. So I, 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 they don't have that. You know, Fox is the purview of Hulu. That's what right. it's in that content. So I don't know if you can count those, but yeah. you know, I always thought that Soul was just a Christmas present. There you go. You're yeah. Up. Yeah. There you go. It was a great Christmas present. I'm glad they did that because I might not have, you know, otherwise been able to watch it. You know, COVID was still bad, and you just wanted to make sure, you know, this was before the vaccine was out, so you wanted to be careful. So I get, I got soul, but I kind of feel like this is just one of those gestures to make it seem like, hey, we're not we're not as bad as Warner Media over here. 
giving everything away for free. You've got to go see the last duel in theaters. You know, it's like, okay, Disney, we get it. You know, you're not, you know, you're, you didn't get Christopher Nolan in the big war for, you know, Christopher Nolan. You're, you're not getting bad mouthed by your filmmakers or whatever, but, you know, give it a rest. You don't want to need to like pop your chest out with this slate of films. I don't think they're going to do Steven Spielberg wrong with West Side Story. I'm, I'm sure that might be a Fox property too, but still, I don't think this was a, a meaningless gesture for me. Just kind of get under the skin probably of like HBO Max and everybody always bad-mouthing HBO Max. Well, number one, they're not going to piss Spielberg off. You, no. you, you, you just can't do that. That's like pissing off Cecil B. DeMille at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah, Cecil B. DeMille kids. <laughs> Look them up. They named an award after him. Um, um, it, you know, I think they saw what Shang-Chi did, too. Yeah. yeah. Knowing that they have the Eternals coming out. Right. And I don't know what's going on with the new Spider-Man movie, but I think that's theatrical only, given that uh, Venom is coming out theatrical only. And they get a nice cut of that, too. So right. they're not trying to give away money anymore. And I think they, they, they are aware that, depending on the film, the audiences will show up. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd be very surprised if Eternals doesn't do pretty well. I think people have gotten back into the, the Marvel box office maybe with the exception of Denis Villeneuve, who does not like Marvel movies, apparently. Um, although, I just want to get on my soapbox. What did he say? Okay, I want to get on my soapbox for one second, because I and, I'm, and I, I almost want to apologize for bad-mouthing it, because I, I think Villeneuve's a great filmmaker, and I whatever he makes, I want to see. But he basically had said that Marvel movies are basically copies and pastes of all their other movies. So it's basically just not necessarily what Martin Scorsese said about Marvel, but essentially bad-mouthing, trashing Marvel for maybe lack of originality and just copy-and-paste mentality of everything comes together and makes a Marvel movie. You know what? But is he wrong? No, I'm not saying he's wrong, but I will, I'll say this, though. It's coming from the same person who... A Blade Runner 2049, which there happened to be a Blade Runner beforehand. Now, I'm not saying, look, Blade Runner 2049 was fantastic. Um, and it's also coming from someone who's making Dune, which, if I'm not mistaken, was made in 1984. So, and I'm not saying it's going to be the same Dune from 1984 because I hope not. It sucked. But, you know, you can get that on 4K now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's on 4K. Yeah. Um, and then. He's also slated to direct a Cleopatra film, which we've already seen. So it, it goes back to that same you know, argument we had with, with, with Spielberg making Indiana Jones 26, making sequel after sequel after sequel, or you know, kind of trashing the whole Marvel comic book movie superhero stuff. But then he's remaking West Side Story. We mentioned that last week, you know. So I don't understand why. I mean, look, if you want to dump on Marvel because you think their movies are terrible, then so be it. But in a lot of ways, you know, there was somebody on, I, I don't know if it was Twitter or Instagram or someone had posted about how Scorsese was bad mouthing Marvel. Now, this was an updated meme 
where basically, you know, everybody's argument is that all the Marvel movies are the same. And then they go through a small catalog of Scorsese greats like, you know, Goodfellas, Casino, The Departed, The Irishman. What are all those movies? Mop movies. So, you know, he's working in a genre time and time and time again. And yet kind of dumping on, uh, you know, putting the hot sauce on Marvel all the time. Now, ask yourself why that, that's happening. Now, could it have something to do with, you know, Scorsese is an artist. Villanova yeah. is an artist. But deep down inside, I have to imagine that they crave validation from audiences. And the only way to get validation from an audience through box office returns. Yeah, that's true. That Audiences generally don't give out awards. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. Perhaps there's a little envy, jealousy at the center of all of that. Yeah, but I know the box office for uh, Blade Runner. They it was terrible. They light it up. Yeah, and it was one of the most highly anticipated films. And in, in the of the year it came out, I mean, we've been waiting for that movie for what? The, I saw the original Blade Runner at Randall Park Mall, and okay. the year it came out, you know what? Eighty two, huh? Eighty two. You know what Randall Park Mall is now? I don't know. An Amazon fulfillment center. <laughs> there you go. You can uh, buy Blade Runner four K. The final, final, final cut, or the twentieth final cut, on 4K probably from there. So, yeah, I, I with with those guys, with those comments, it's hard not to, to believe there's a little envy working there. You know what, though, it, it's funny because, and I, I agree with what you're saying, but then I also think to myself, even though Blade Runner 2049 wasn't really a box office success, he still got money to do Dune. He's getting money to do Cleopatra. I mean, so it's not like Villeneuve's not getting, you know, the recognition, even though he's had some, you know, misses, he's had some great movies, but he also, you know, misses the box office. He's still, he's gotten into that territory where the studios are just like, we're going to give you what you want to make what you want. Scorsese couldn't get the Irishman made because no one, no studio would back a movie that they knew just could not make the box office return back for it. So he gets whatever it was, 200, 300 million dollars from Netflix to make his film. 106. So, okay. So at the end of the day, these filmmakers, I get it. I think I think you're right where there maybe there's a little envy there that they know that the audiences don't come to their movies all the time even though I think a lot of people saw The Departed and I you know, I think for the most part, people love Sicario, for instance, you know, from Bill News perspective. Arrival was fantastic, a great science fiction masterwork. So I don't know. I just feel like they can say whatever they want. Scorsese's a, a, a god in cinema. He can say kind of whatever he wants. If he wants to sit back in his recliner and just trash a bunch of people, go ahead. That's fine. You know, Bill News as well. I don't, you know, I don't care. It just seems like it's an easy target. And it's always done right before they have a release coming out as well. You know, Scorsese did it with The Irishman, Bill News doing it now with Dune. And James Gunn kind of pointed that out when people were trashing on it. And it's like, 
wow, you know, they've got to do this right before their movies come out so people will get to know who they are if they don't know who they are, which if you don't know who Martin Scorsese is, I don't think you're a movie fan, but it seems like that's what happens all the time. Well, just for the record, Blade Runner wasn't the bomb we thought was. Technically, it was profitable. Okay. It, it did 250 globally on 150 budget. Yeah, that's not a. It's not a It's not a blockbuster by yeah. standards. But it's they might they might have made a profit on that if you're talking about everything. I mean, production wise, 150. But then if you're talking about you know advertising and things like that, tie-ins, all that, they're probably making a slight profit off of it. And when that's without that, that's without home video. Yeah, all of that. Right, so right. It, it ultimately made money. I'm sure it did. Now, whether- but most people probably thought, and I'm sure this. I'm sure Warner Brothers probably thought, you know, everybody. It's a you know, Blade Runner is a cult classic, but then it's gained so many viewers over the years. Well, here comes an updated version with better special effects. You're gonna love this. And then I remember when I saw I saw it in IMAX in Westlake. And I could count on one hand how many people were there. Hold up. In what year did you see that in IMAX? It was 20, what, what year did that come out? 2016? So you're talking 2049. I'm talking 2049, yes. Okay. Blade Runner 2049, no. Okay. Blade, the original Blade Runner came out before I was born. So. Yep. No, just kidding. <laughs> But I have seen the original Blade Runner multiple times. Wait, here I am seeing it in in theaters, and you're talking about it came out before you were born. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. But I I, I love the first Blade Runner. I mean, you know, and I I own it. I I love watching it. It's a 4K movie that I want to buy here at some point in the near future. So, but, you know, again, I I just feel like, are we going to get, like, a a Steven Spielberg here in, like, early December when – West Side Story's getting ready to release. Is he going to, you know, dump on Eternals or something and, and, you know, dredge up some interest for his West Side Story? I mean, it just feels like these filmmakers want to take, you know, they want to ride the wave into the shore and then no one really hears anything about their criticisms of Marvel or DC movies or whatever it may be after their movie premieres and everybody's either seen it or not seen it. But uh, Spielberg had a blockbuster with his most recent film. Ready Player One did six hundred million dollars, so, and that was based, and that was off the backs of nostalgia, like the Iron Giant, uh, Batman, Martian Man, you know, I mean, all or Marvin the Martian, all these other characters that were in, you know, that game movie. It was a, it was a good movie. I liked Ready Player One, but you know, I don't know. I just feel like people just unnecessarily dump on whether you want to call it cinema or whatever. Who cares? If you don't like it, don't like it. Those those movies help studios fund the rest of their slate and give you the money to make your movie. This is one of the, one of the reasons I don't argue about subjective stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I just do not. Like, uh, I'll get an invitation for a screening of a horror movie. The local reps, no, I'm not going to be there. You want to know why? Right. I don't like horror. Right. I, I know my biases. And I've been I've been surprised. Right. Quiet place one and two surprised me. Mm-hmm. But but 
I so I don't argue about it anymore. I just when, when people said, "Oh, you don't tell me, you don't know what you're missing," I'm like, "I know exactly what I'm missing." So you yeah. go ahead and enjoy yourself. No judgment, but don't judge me because I don't. Right. It's 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 that simple. There's just some stuff I don't watch. Yeah. No, I, I get that. Well, something you won't be watching moving forward, perhaps, is Lowcast. George, we've talked about Lowcast multiple times, whether it's on our show or the show with Chris on Wednesday last time you were on. Not looking good right now for Lowcast. Give us a little bit of an update. Fill us in. Oh, they're, unless they appeal that decision that basically put them out of business. They are finito, just in time for football season, which was the best reason to have them for sure. certain, certain individuals in this area, including myself. We can't get a consistent signal from the local CBS affiliate that carries 90% of Brown's games. Right. Um, to get back up and running, they're going to have to appeal a decision and hope that the court rules in their favor. Given that they were turning a profit as a nonprofit, it was ruled. The chances of that are not good, I don't right. think. Because without money, they can't expand. And even putting it right. as calling the, the money they received donations wasn't saving them in this right. case. That's too bad. Because a lot of people, you know, it, I I don't know your viewing situation. I'm redundant all over the place just because of, of work. But there are a lot of people who and I who only want local channels, a couple streaming services, and that's it. Right. They can live without cable networks. And that $5 a month was a... I guess you could say it was like a steal, but <laughs> it was a steal until it wasn't a steal anymore. So yeah, Lowcast is not looking too good. Get a permanent injunction. I said this when I think we talked about this with Chris and everybody in the in the late spring, early summer. Now once these sports seasons start, there is no way in God's green earth that the NFL is going to let this happen because they know that those copyrights are infringed upon when people are able to watch that without buying a cable package. Uh, the thing is, I was relying on what is now an ancient, ancient court ruling related to Betamax. <laughs> that tells you how old it was. Yeah. The SCOTUS ru ruling even. And apparently they're interpreting the law differently. Not that particular law, but just the situation. They're interpreting it differently. Right. And that, that's too bad because, you know what? I have YouTube TV. They essentially, they tell you you have an unlimited digital VCR, but you and I both know that you're not really recording anything. Right. They're allowing you to tap into a library of programming, including... Right, right current network programming to to watch stuff. Yeah, this uh, this is not a surprise to me. I, I kind of feel like there's no way that this is going to move. They might 
try to put a stand on this, like like it says in some of the stories here. I, it just there's not really a lot of incentive for them to move forward because I think it's pretty clear there's no argument they can make that's going to really persuade any kind of low court, high court, middle court, anywhere that's going to say, yeah, you're right, you're not violating copyright infringement when you have a National Football League game on. It may be one thing if you have Law and Order on or whatever it may be, but once the NFL gets involved, that league loves money. They don't ever want to lose any opportunities at money. Was the NFL, was the NFL part of the original student? I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's all four networks. Now, they're all NFL partners, so maybe right. But what I'm saying is, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it interesting though that this happened? This battle kind of wound down right before the NFL season for the kickoff, right before, right before you were one week or two weeks away from turning on Lowcast and watching the Cleveland Browns or whatever team you you may have been able to watch in your Lowcast market. It is. If, if it wouldn't have gotten assembled by them, it would have probably taken one week. Before the NFL got wise to it and put a gigantic lawsuit on Lowcast and just run them into the ground, whether it be with attorney's fees for the next 10 years or whatever it may have been, they would have it's almost like they were the sleeping bear that just needed to sniff the, the picnic basket at this point. And one week of NFL for free, essentially, on Lowcast or for five dollars would have woken them up pretty quickly. Now that sounds like a conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, I don't think, well, okay, maybe it's a conspiracy theory, but let's put it this way. Am I wrong in saying that the NFL, once they caught wind, if they didn't already have a knowledge of this, it wasn't going to take them long for someone to be like, oh, I'm watching, you know, let's see. the Falcons and Atlanta's low cast, you know, or the Steelers or whatever it may have been. They give, would not have happened. They give the signals away anyhow. That's where I don't why I don't have a problem with it. The money they were making legitimately went into expansion. It's it compared to what the NFL actually brings in. Right. And and mind you, they're trying to sell last I heard they're trying to sell NFL Sunday ticket rights for two point five billion dollars a year. So yeah you know they don't need the money they just want the money they just they don't oh, need the, you know they don't they don't want the headache they just want to need the headache because they know that if anybody has any opportunity of donating to someone and like you said earlier you know kind of profiting off of this then that means the NFL is going to say well, you're profiting off of us because we know people are going to get low cast in these NFL states so they can watch NFL games and that's when I think they would step in and say, you either need to give us a cut or we're going to go after you. Now, honestly, everything already went, you know, went to hell in a handbasket anyway, but it would not have taken very long for uh, the NFL to get their top team of attorneys on this. And Lowcast would have been purging money within two days, probably. Yeah, well, the NFL wants a cut of everything. They do. As do television networks. Absolutely. Well, they need it nowadays with the, everybody going to streaming, cutting cable. You can't afford to lose all this anymore. I mean, I know everybody's all under one roof kind of thing, but 
the even even with streaming, the NFL upfronts were just fine. They're not hurting. Well, at all. I know the NFL's not struggling, and I don't think anybody's ever going to tell me NBC Universal's struggling or Fox is struggling or CBS is struggling. But at the end of the day, they don't want to give it away for free. They're yeah. not milk the cow. They want to get the profit off the sale. Fair. All right, George. Well, this week was a little bit different. What's coming up next week? I know we're in the doldrums of the summer movie months, but what do you have coming up here in the future? Actually, I think I'll have Dear Evan Hansen. Okay. Um, Foundation finally premieres. Okay. Based on the uh, Isaac Asimov novel. And this this series, I are you into sci-fi at all? Yeah, yeah you are. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. You ever watch The Expanse? Yeah. This show is holding my attention unlike any science fiction show since the start of The Expanse. Okay. Um, it's very different, philosophical. Um, well, I'm, I'm very interested in it because I, I want Apple TV Plus to give me a reason for why we should keep it after our free year is up. And it's not just Ted Lasso making you keep it. It's something else in addition to. So I'm excited for your uh, foundation. You know what? I'm liking Apple TV Plus more and more. Because okay. I, I, we were going to talk about the morning show. And when I said message you and said the morning show is bad, I mean it's premiering tomorrow. Right. Or like yes. 3 a.m. tonight. It's, it's yeah. the first episode. And that's one that I binged. Okay. I really and I like the performances. I like the the inside look at at media and, and network television. Um, but see, I've got was it three shows, three or four shows. I've got a reason to go to them. Right, because they're producing high because Apple's got goo gobs of money. They're producing <laughs> high level content, right? And the pro production values are there. I mean, yeah, yeah. foundation looks beautiful. It's gorgeous. And I, I have heard, I've, I've heard, I've never watched it, but I've heard great things for all ma of all for all mankind. I don't know if you've seen that yet or not, but I've heard good things about it as well. It looks great, and it's also a good show. That's what I want to get into, but it's like only so many hours in a day, and once I get hooked on something, I get hooked on something. Yeah, well, you'd be you'd be ashamed of me for uh, my wife and I, but it's I'm, I'm not going to blame her because I'm part I'm partly to blame for this. We uh, we decided to binge watch F Boy Island on HBO Max. George, what's wrong with me? I've been into too much trash TV lately. Binge what? F Boy Island. On HBO I Max, I am it is a quasi-dating show where three women are paired up with uh, 24 men, 12 of which are, um, let's just say, players, and then 12 are like nice guys. Um, and for whatever reason, this has been the year of trash TV for me. I've just gotten into so much of it, and I feel bad. I don't know what's wrong with me. You got an addiction, dude. <laughs> You know what though? It was kind of uh, it's kind of an interesting show. Um, there were some Ohioans in the show. There were three people from Ohio: Columbus, Cleveland, and Toledo. So, kind of a unique, uh, you know, rooting interest, I guess. But yeah, it's 
Something's wrong with me. I'm getting into too much trash TV this year. It's been one terrible dating show after another that my wife and I have been watching. So maybe it's just a palate cleanse for better stuff to come, hopefully. Um, how did Ohio represent? How'd they do? Well, um, the three Ohio guys were all players or F-boys. Um, you can insert the blank for what F means. And two of which made it to the one, – one actually made it to the finals in one relationship with a woman. And the man from Toledo, he was from Cleveland. And then the one from Toledo uh, made it to, like, the semifinal round, like the second to last cut down for another woman. So three women – kind of pull together with their guys. You know, they get like five or six guys that they kind of get, you know, paired up with, if you will. And you kind of start, you know, dating them and seeing what the connections are. Um, it's, it's it's terrible, fun, trash TV. If you ever need, like, a palate cleanser after you've watched, like, something like Maravise Town or something, like, really heavy and you just want to, like, vegetate for a while and get into it like you know like you normally see the people like you make fun of when they get into something too much that's the show to get into on hbo max but don't okay. judge me. <laughs> don't judge me george i, I gotta I, I really need palate clean clean cleansers yeah. normally i'll just go to a, a movie i've seen 50 billion times well, sometimes you want something new. Like if, you know, my wife and I were like sitting there like, what do we want to watch? Well, I gave her a few options. I was like, well, I was kind of thinking, let's go with the series, you know? And it was it was kind of late at night on uh, I don't know, Tuesday or something or Monday or whatever. And I'm like, well, let's just, let's try a series. And, you know, we, I gave her a few options. And like I said, I'm, I'm 50% to blame on this. It wasn't like her call and then I went along with it. I was like, more than 50% invested in wanting to watch it just because we've been on this bad run of just terrible, absolutely dumb, over-the-top, stupid, tropical island dating shows this year. But if, you ever need, if, you're, if you're ever looking for it, Boy Island's not a bad option. That is a funky, funky genre you mentioned. It is. It's it's terrible. I told my wife, I'm like, I want to see these people like go to Cleveland, Ohio and fall in love, not Hawaii or like, you know, some paradise. I want them to go to like Cleveland, Ohio in the middle of winter and fall in love with each other. You know, that's the real test of love. Can you fall in love in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in negative 20 degree weather with a blizzard? That's what I, that's, that's the reality show I want to see. Sure you can. Yeah. All right, All right, George. Well, I will try my best to get back on track with some better viewing options. We will definitely talk to you next week, and hopefully we'll have some good, uh, good options for everybody next week. So we'll see you next week, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We're hoping to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.